Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your Monday. Jake Scott with you from our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios. Austin Horton across the glass from me, producing today as always, and broadcasting from Casa de Monson. Safely social distancing, of course. The one, the only, the refreshed. Gordon Monson. Hello, Gordon. I am refreshed. I'm very refreshed, even yeah. though I probably need a shower. But I, I am refreshed. Has has bathing taken a backseat for you during all this? Uh, no, I mean, well, here and there, maybe a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> Who are you in trying to impress? No more so judging. than usual, right? Yeah. <laughs> not like Austin who showers twice a day. There's a three times. I don't know. But uh, anyway, I uh, I I did uh, get a workout in this morning and have uh, yet to shower. But uh, my personal hygiene is not of interest, probably to most of our listeners. A little ripe then today. A little ripe. I got not you. ripe. Not really. I mean, not bad. You know, not like that. But yeah. How was the weekend? Do anything of note? Did I do anything of note? Uh, did most of what I've been doing, uh, trying to stay active and, uh, and, and and be productive around the house. Uh, uh, That's not neither one of those are true. Well, I mean, I did supervise the trimming of our trees. That's tough work. Uh, well, at least Lucy isn't afraid of heights the way I am. So <laughs> she was up there. You made Lisa prune the trees? No, 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 no. <laughs> we had, the trees are too tall. We had a we had a tree service come in and take care of that. But I did have to make some uh, decisions about you know things that were going on. So uh, yeah, so I was busy uh, handling uh, the business around the house. Handling. I love your choice of words. Uh, well, good. I'm, I'm glad you had a good weekend. How about you? Did you don't tell me. You're, you took your daughter over to a park somewhere or the school, and, uh, and, and you looked the other way for a moment, and she tripped and skinned her knee or something like that happened, right? No, no, no. no. She came through the weekend pretty, uh, pretty unscathed, so <laughs> kids, uh, that's good news. Kids will, kids will do that to you, though, man. I mean, you try to keep your eye on them every second, and the one second that you— Stupid to pick up something, you dropped your wallet or something, and then that's when we trip and fall or something strange. No, she's, she's, uh, she had a good weekend. We had a, we had a nice weekend as a family. I, I played uh, 18 holes of golf, but nine on Saturday, nine on Sunday, which was awesome. Oh. The weather oh, how, was— how, uh, how, how, do you, how do you hit them? The weather was really good. I, I played well on Saturday, not as well on Sunday, but the, the wind was, was an issue on Sunday. I don't know yes. if it was windy up at Casa de Monson, but yes, uh, it was. yesterday uh-huh. it was. Uh, I played Glendale because 
I've been trying to keep it, uh, you know, the Salt Lake City Golf is a, a great partners of ours here on the station. So I've kind of been making the rounds on the Salt Lake City Golf courses. Plus, they make it really easy with uh, with their app and you don't have to uh, go into the clubhouse at all. It's it's really a, a pretty sweet setup. So uh, played Glendale yesterday and uh, the yeah the wind was a the wind was a factor which was you it? know is good when it's behind you because it make you makes you feel pretty good about yourself <laughs> but you know when it's coming head on it's like well this is an issue so you didn't uh, you didn't like injure your wrist or uh, or take a new job over the weekend did you <laughs> no okay I just want to make sure mm-hmm. okay. I'm I'm confused at what you're referencing. I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, a couple of news items involving the Jazz. Oh, oh, okay. I'm I'm there. I'm there. We'll get to that in uh, the split story. In fact, we'll lead with that. A couple of uh, uh, of jazz-related issues headlining the NBA right now. Uh, we've got a lot to do. Chris Mannix is going to be on the show at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Craig Bowlerjack on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get into the Michael Jordan documentary as it came to its conclusion last night and uh, did feature the jazz prominently in both episodes. However, some, some voices curiously missing from the documentary. So we'll get your thoughts on that as well, Gordon. Anything yes, else on your uh, mind or do you want to get right into it? Let's let's dive right in. All right, it's time for the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Mitchell's in the near corner. Inbound is coming from the far side. Clarkson's up at the top. Ingles will inbound. 1.6 seconds left. Down by two. Ingles hold it, fakes a pass, finds Bogdanovich, contested three. Good! Boyan Bogdanovich! Boyan Bogdanovich! Say it again! Boyan Bogdanovich! Holy cow! Straight away three from 30 feet, contested by two defenders, and the Jazz win! Wow! Wow! What a ball game. Walt Perrin with us, Vice President of Player Personnel for the Utah Jazz. Walt, have you gotten a sense as to how deep this draft will be and how much talent is in it? I think the draft is a little bit better than I thought it was going to be early in the year. But I think it's a draft where you can get a player and you're probably going to need to develop for uh, a year or two and then see what you have. But I think there's some players here that have an opportunity to be pretty good players in the NBA, rotational players, maybe even some starters later on in the draft. But again, I think it's more of a development draft and it is a draft where guys should come in and play right away. Gordon, last week we had um, media reporting uh, a conflict, right, with the Players Union stuff with Adrian Wojnarowski and uh, Sham Sharania. Now the two are back at it again, this time seeing who can break the biggest jazz news today, starting with Adrian Wojnarowski, who uh, reported that uh, Boyan Bogdanovich will undergo season-ending surgery that has been confirmed. He ruptured a ligament in his right wrist. And uh, he did that early in the season, Gordon, and uh, now they got to the point where they had to make a decision and get it done. So he's going to get that surgery taken care of. And then the other story, Sham Sharania reports that uh, Walt Perrin, Jazz Vice President of Player Personnel, is headed to the Knicks to be their assistant general manager. Uh, Gordon, let's, let's hit on both of these stories, but which one do you want to start with? Let's go with Bogdanovich first. Uh, he... You know, I, I have questions for you about about what Boyan was able to do in his first year. And and starting with this, I have my own thoughts, but I want to get yours. 
Boyan Bogdanovich, how successful was his first season with the Jazz? When people talked about the Jazz's needs for more shooting, for a perimeter player, uh, somebody who could add to their scoring effort, did BB fill the bill? Absolutely. In fact, far exceeded expectations, I thought. And expectations were high. Man, Bogdanovich, Gordon, he averaged 20 points a game this year. Yep. A little bit better than that, actually. 20.2, excuse me. Yeah. Don't uh, forget the two. But, <laughs> but it, it, you wondered if he could be better than he was in Indiana because he was kind of the guy in Indiana when Victor Oladipo went down. And he obviously wasn't going to be the guy here in Utah. And his production actually went up. I think he fit like a glove onto this Jazz team. And I know this season was uh, a bit of a story in adaptation for some new additions, but Bogdanovich did not have an issue uh, adapting to Jazz basketball. He was He's not the perfect player by any means, but he absolutely was having a terrific year. Yes, he, uh, he improved his stats across the board, as you were mentioning. And, uh, you know, uh, if I were going to have any kind of critique for Boyan Bogdanovich, I guess it would be that his uh, his uh, his turnover problem was a bit of an issue at times. But the scoring, you know, that's six points better than his career average. He shot 40, almost 45% overall and uh, 41.4 from three. That's pretty good. That's really good. Uh, the, the Jazz will take that. And and so yeah, I I think he uh, he was probably better in some ways than a lot of folks figured he would be, as far as his overall ability to score, not just shoot from distance. But uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think you're uh, right on the money there. I was unaware of this wrist injury um, until the news came out. I don't know how you shoot the ball uh, effectively when you're injured like that. Do you? Uh, do you have a thought on that? I mean, that's kind of on either hand that that that'll mess you up. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I I don't know how he did it. He suffered it earlier in the, or early in the season. You know, we knew he was a tough player. He's hardly missed. He's only missed like five games his whole career. I mean, he's he's a really tough dude and. Um, I don't know how he did it physically, Gordon, but he did it at an extremely high level. Um, just real quick before we move on on his impact on the team, you mentioned his turnovers. If I if I had one area that I would nitpick that I think is uh, Bogdanovich his issue has created an issue with the Jazz is he is he's not a good rebounder. He's only averaging 4.1 rebounds per game, and that mm-hmm. has put a lot of pressure on Rudy Gobert to be the rebounder on the whole team. So uh, we saw that have some consequences at times during the year. But I just wanted to add that real quick before we we completely moved on from it. But I, you know, to answer your question, uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe he did yoga or something, Gordon. Torn ligament in his wrist and he managed to play NBA basketball. I don't don't know how you do that. Which wrist was it, Jake? Uh, Was it reported? I'm not sure. Um, Wow. I'm oh, yes, sure here it is. That. Right wrist. Excuse me, Gordon. So, I mean, how do you shoot when you're right-handed? I mean, and you have that kind of injury. I I don't know. But uh, you saw what Donovan Mitchell said about it, uh, congratulating uh, Boyan Bogdanovich for gutting it through the way he did. I, I don't know what this means that, uh, that this uh, season-ending surgery would be happening uh, tomorrow. 
Uh, does that mean why why wouldn't that have been done prior to now? Do you think? Um, I'm not sure, Gordon, uh, and they haven't talked about it. I mean, that would be something the the team and Bogdanovich and his agent, I'm sure, uh, have discussed. But I would guess that uh, that it has to be done, and so to get him ready for next year, because we don't know what the remainder of this year is going to be, uh, get that taken care of. But I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know either. Wouldn't know. that have been true a month ago, though? I mean, maybe. that's why I wondered. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know why. Why right now? What does that mean? Does that mean anything about? What the Jazz know regarding the season, the prospects for the season, or does that mean – what does it mean? I, I, maybe it means nothing at all. I don't know. Maybe they were waiting for swelling to go down. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Um, yeah, and that's so, why part of me feels like it's not fair to speculate about something like that because I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, me neither. But uh, but anyway, uh, so uh, he'll, he'll go ahead and do that. And so if the NBA does have a postseason, he obviously will not be a part of it. All right, now what about uh, the departure of one Walt Perrin, who's now going to be an assistant GM for the Knicks as they reform their front office, Gordon? And Walt Perrin has been a mainstay around here for 20 years. You and I both know him. We've had him on the show many, many times. Uh, He's very good at his job. And uh, the Knicks uh, certainly are getting a good one. Yeah, the the Knicks need him. Not that the Jazz don't, but the Knicks need him. And uh, I have a lot of respect for Walt Perrin. He's... Man, can you imagine his frequent flyer miles? That's what I you mean, admire about Walt Perry? Well, I mean, he's been – this is part of it. It takes, it takes uh, resolve to do a job as well as he did it, not just from a judgment standpoint and a recognition standpoint, but from a durability standpoint. So this guy was flying around the globe, uh, it seems like, 10 times a year. I mean, it's just remarkable, all the trips he was taking – and uh, and it, when you are evaluating talent the way he does, I I, I find that fascinating. I, I think that's a real skill. It's a skill. It's it's knowledge mixed with experience, uh, mixed with uh, good judgment. And uh, and Walt, Walt will be missed around here. Yeah, I think so too. I'm still trying to get over that. You know what I admire about Walt Perrin? I'll bet he has access to the Delta Secret Lounge. Huh? A lot of frequent flyer <laughs> he miles, owns man. It. I mean, how many? What would you guess? I mean, I know we don't have any idea, but think of all his trips to Europe. Think of all his trips everywhere. I mean, it seems like every time we talk to him, it was like, yeah, in two days I'm leaving for this place or that place. or I just got back from, I mean, just, whew. He must yeah. have piled up hundreds of miles. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think... Uh, He's paying for a flight anytime soon. Mm, I see. Uh, All right. Our friend Ben Anderson of KSL Sports uh, has delved into this on Twitter, and I think it's certainly worth talking about because the Knicks um, are – you could uh, draw a connection with the Knicks and the Jazz. Their new president, uh, Leon Rose, used to head up CAA, which represents uh, Donovan Mitchell, and now they hire, you know, a guy who was responsible, at least in part, for uh, bringing uh, Donovan to the Jazz or and their evaluation process of him. So there's kind of been some waves out there that uh, the Knicks are going to be actively pursuing Donovan Mitchell, and I actually think that's 100% true. Now, whether that means Donovan leaves Utah or not uh, is certainly – uh, far from uh, uh, you know concluded, obviously for obvious reasons. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Knicks were interested in Donovan. Of course, I, I would guess that the the whole league, in one way or another, would be interested in acquiring Donovan Mitchell. 
So this is this is uh, what my partner here, Jake Scott, is doing. We don't have enough to worry about around here, right, already? But you're worrying about something that could take place four years from now? Uh... I'm not worried about anything. You know me. I, I like know, the. I, I like know, the. I, know, uh, I, I like the game behind the game. I think that type of stuff is is really fascinating. And whether Walt could deliver Donovan Mitchell or not, they're not hiring him for a for a job like that just based on that alone. I mean, that's that's obviously ridiculous. They're hiring but a guy the who's, there. who's really really good at his job. But yeah, the con- the connection there could could be useful at some point in the future. I just this is. Uh, I, I don't think jazz fans. Or the Jazz really need to worry about that for the time being. I know you don't have to worry about it because you don't. You're, you're not. You know, you're not uh, in charge of basketball ops for the Jazz. But but it's fans sometimes worry about that sort of thing, and and they just don't have to right now. The only reason they would have to do that is if Donovan was in some way being demonstrative about it. And I I don't think he's going to pull an AD. Do you? Uh no, I don't I don't think that that will happen. I do think he's I don't know, he's going it'll be interesting to hear him answer questions when whenever he is available to do so again. Yeah, the problem is that players if you want to worry about that uh players generally don't tell the truth about that sort of thing. Correct. So, I mean, I mean the Jazz have experienced that in their past. Uh, you might be able to pick up reading between the lines a little bit here and there. But so much of this, so many times when I've asked players about their intentions, I remember asking uh, Darren Williams this, you know, how long do you want to stay with the Jazz? And you know what the first thing out of his mouth was? Guess what he would have said? Mm. I'm putting you on the spot, but... Never. No. He said... It depends on the direction that the team is going. That's probably true in part, right? I think it's true in a lot of cases because players, it's not just the super teams. It's not just the superstars who at times want to be together in this day and age. Players, think about what Donovan Mitchell talks about. He talks about winning. He talks about winning a championship. He talks about uh, reaching the highest level in the league. And I, I, that the, the most effective thing that Jazz can do is continue to build toward contention. And I think if they do that, there are extenuating circumstances at times. I mean, Gordon Hayward had his motivations to do what he did. But I think it, it, most things, most everything else being equal, uh, and even if it's unequal a little bit, I think players want to win, man. They don't want to go out on that court and get their heads beat in night after night after night, especially someone wired like that kid is. Hmm. I think if the Jazz are building toward a championship, then Donovan Mitchell will want to be a part of that. Because the money, the money is pretty much equal either way. And I think he's getting a lot of money from some shoe company that uh, was started by Adi Dossler. Adi Dossler? Yeah, what's well, his name? I have no clue. Adidas, Adi Dossler. Oh, really? Is that? Where... I bet Mister Know It All probably knows. I mean, Adi Dossler. He's the founder of uh, uh, the Adidas uh, shoe and apparel. I company. thought it stood for All Day I Dream About Soccer. I think his name was Adolf <laughs> Dossler. 
Really? Uh, Audi for sure. Yep, it was Adolf Audi Dossler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's an unfortunate first name. His brother, Rudolph, founded Puma. Oh. Really? I didn't, I, really, I didn't know that. I wonder yep, if there he was, was the younger brother of the founder of Puma. I wonder if there was some sort of split there, like family conflict, where the younger <laughs> brother was like, you know what? There was, yeah. Yeah, I'm going off and I'm going to do this. 100% accurate. A That's little bit different, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. It is Just because, you know, Jake, uh, what's the matter with the name Adi? You know, just because there was some maniac back in history who who had a certain name doesn't mean that that name is spoiled for the rest of time, does it? It kind of does, though. And it's it, the reason that uh, the fact that you're calling him Audi as opposed to his real name is, is all the evidence that you really need. Uh, it, it's not his fault. I'm not blaming him. But sometimes first names get a little spoiled by people who ruin it for the rest of everyone. Wait a minute. I mean, that's just what he goes by. Like Gordon. Like Gordon's for example. A- A-D-I. Yeah. That's what he goes by, right? That's not his real name. Austin just uh, told you his real name. But, uh, uh, well, can I call Hank Aaron Hank? Well, you can call somebody whatever they want. I'm just saying there's a reason that you're not calling him by his first name. Uh, or how about this? There's no. a reason that he didn't go by his first name. No, it's a familiar form of the name. It's 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 it's, uh, it's yeah. It's it's like Hank. It's like Jack for John, and and and, and Hank for Henry. Let me ask you this, uh, Austin. If uh, if you were to have a son in your future, how uh, how <laughs> much would you give the name Adolf consideration? Uh, no, none, zero. Yeah, right, right uh, ahead of Gordon, but no, I wouldn't get much consideration. I, I I think most folks would would probably side with Austin there. In and fact, unfor- uh, I know someone named Addy that I'm suddenly rethinking now. So. Right. Uh, I'm just, uh, I just, uh, that's unfortunate. He, he also was uh, One maniac a- out there ruins a name. Uh, that's, uh, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be the way it is, but I see your point. <laughs> it's a pretty interesting line in the sand you're drawing. He also, uh, he also ruined uh, a look with the, with the mustache. You can't get away with that anymore. And speaking of Michael Jordan, he tried. You remember that? After, right after yeah, he retired, yeah. he tried. He's like, I'm, I'm bringing this back in style. And even Michael Jordan, it was like, nope, nope, that one, that one's been ruined. <laughs> that mustache, uh, that mustache ain't coming back. Get you a razor, Addy. <laughs> How long will it take before, you know, uh, before things like that are okay? Because they in and of themselves are not evil like the man himself was. So I wonder how long before either the fashion statement or the the name will be, uh, you know, repaired enough for it to be acceptable. Again. I don't know. I think it's going to be a while. All right. You know, sometimes humans just, uh, you, you know, leave behind reputations that spoil certain things. I got to tell you though, when those uh, when those superstars came out, and when they when they come out about sixty eight, late sixties, those were about the coolest things you could wear. I mean, in my generation, that was uh, those were those were sweet kicks, and uh, obviously Adidas. Did you call them came kicks? up with that? What did you call them not, kicks? Not back then, I suppose, but. But uh, is, this, I, is this some sort of hip lingo you've adopted? All, all, 
You've never heard the shoes referred to as you, kicks? You, you get a pair of Michael Jordan whatevers, and now you, <laughs> kicks comes into the His, They're not. They're J's. J's. Oh, remember. Excuse me. I, I His forgot. J's. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Adidas was ahead of the game a little bit. They were leather shoes back when everyone was wearing the cons, a lot of them, and and the superstar came along, and that was those were the man. Those were, cons I remember, like convicts. Uh, converse. We don't get with the lingo. I thought they were, were living chucks. in a vacuum over there. The so, cons. So so yeah, everyone was wearing their Chuck Taylors. Everyone, yeah, everyone was wearing their chucks. So now, uh, yeah, and then the, the leather shoe comes along, and uh, everybody, boy, you put those on, and you just felt better about living. And you uh, get out on the court and feel really good. Nice fashion statement as well. And uh, and then all of a sudden, Adidas decides that it doesn't need to sign some uh, ne'er-do-anything uh, exceptional Michael Jordan. And next thing you know, like Nike's exploding all over the place. That may have been the single worst business decision I've ever heard of. Uh, that may be true, but in the in the shoe world, one of my favorites is uh, if you dig into Nike's pitch to Steph Curry uh, before Steph Curry switched to Under Armour. That one's pretty hilarious because they didn't even bother to like change the PowerPoint presentation from the same one they gave Kevin Durant like a month earlier. <laughs> <laughs> they get onto the PowerPoint. Did they, have they, the name, did they have the name Kevin there scratched out? No, they didn't even bother to do that. the The PowerPoint just had like the the it says you know Nike. Welcome to Nike, Kevin Durant or whatever. And uh, yeah, he he wasn't really impressed, and that's why he went to Under Armour. Hmm. Although, if you look at Under Armour how they're doing on the old stock market, they're really struggling. So maybe Nike, your Nike will get the last laugh. What's your favorite shoe you've ever owned? Your favorite athletic shoe? Uh, I liked my... Something that really tugged at you beyond the normal kind of, these are comfortable. Oh, I didn't care how comfortable they were. I loved my Grant Hill Fila, uh, Filas. Uh, I would say those, and, and even, I don't wear Nike anymore, but uh, I had uh, Andre Agassi's Challenger Court Nike tennis shoes when I was a kid, and I was pretty, mm. I was pretty fired up about those. Were you wearing like the... Uh, the fluorescent. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I had the whole compression outfit. shorts oh, underneath. Yeah. And I had the whole thing. It was <laughs> awesome. I I wish I wish I could find those today. I'd be wearing them. Back. Can you get them? Can you get them online? No, I think they've been outlawed. Actually, it's against the law to wear them. The the Andre Agassi <laughs> Challenger court, the the shorts that looked like they were almost denim, and right. then had the uh, yeah, an act had, of Congress <laughs> took those out. Had the stretched stuff underneath. Those were incredible. They weren't. They were though. They were so awesome. Back with those, those were back in the days when uh, when Agassi had his uh, hairpiece Bobby pinned onto his head. <laughs> That was like peak Agassi right there. <laughs> Images, everything. It's just the wrong image. You know, yeah. you know, I didn't know that until later. That he had a hair yeah. piece? Yeah. I think everybody I, I suspected unaware. it, right? But then he didn't confirm it until he he wrote a book. I mean, he disappeared off the tennis landscape for like a year, remember? Because <laughs> that was during his crack time, I think. But when he... He did. In his book, he admitted that he smoked crack. That's just a funny phrase, crack time. But do you remember when he came back and he was bald as a cue ball and everybody just had gone high and tight? And it's like, wait, you went from that lion's mane to nothing 
in the short time you've been gone? Hmm. Uh, in my experience, that's not how it goes. Yeah, I, I was suspicious. Were, were you suspicious, Gordon? It goes quick, but not that quick. I did not know. I wasn't thinking of that. I didn't know his brother was bald. Remember? You know his brother? Show? <laughs> Carl Agassi? Uh, <laughs> no. no, his brother. I forget his name. Reggie was, Agassi? <laughs> Timothy. Derek. He was. You know, I still have a pair of those. What do they call the David Robinson shoe? With the fluorescent, with the fluorescent green on the back end of it, hmm. what was that shoe called? And you could pump it up, you could pump up the sides just by. I have, I have that pair of shoes. What were those called? Were those Air Command or something? What were those? I have no idea. I'm not a, I'm not they, a shoe those, guy. I, I think they were called the overrated. I don't know. I think they were called the money makers. Hmm. Anyway, like I the, had, the, I had, the, I in had, the shadow of Tim Duncan's, I have a pair of those. I still have a pair. Hmm. All right. I want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical uh, Spring into Action. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Action Plumbing. The Michael Jordan documentary comes to a close. We'll give our thoughts uh, on the jazz involvement. Coming up next, stay tuned. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Band of the Day today. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, selected by Gordon and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Gordon, any particular inspiration for today's uh, selection? No, not really. Just uh, nah, no real reason. I saw Frankie in, in concert uh here in town, uh, when was that? Probably uh, almost a year ago now. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, was, he was still crooning away. All those times when we were young and rambunctious and could go to events with many people, you know? Boy, those were the days. <laughs> Just picture it in your mind if you can. Uh, hey, quick, uh, some quick breaking news, and then uh, want to get to uh, what we saw in the do- – well, I'm almost calling it a documentary. It's certainly not that. Uh, Tony Jones of The Athletic covers the Jazz. He's reporting just um, seconds ago the Jazz won't uh, immediate, have an immediate search for a replacement for Walt Perrin. League sources tell The Athletic they will divide his responsibility up in-house. So there you go. Little piece All of news right. with the with the parent stuff. All right, Gordon, uh, where do you want to start with um, the last dance, the concluding two episodes last night, and certainly the Jazz were at the center of both of them. Well, why don't we start with just that—that that the Jazz were heavily mentioned in the final two uh, episodes. Did you think, Jake? And let me ask this question, sort of, to everyone out there: Were the Jazz fairly represented? Um. Fairly, I, I don't think they were talked about hardly at all. Actually, I thought they were underrepresented. Okay, I mean, based on the depth they've gotten into some of the other stories, I didn't think they got into the jazz story as much as they could have. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I thought, the, and this is what I expected, to tell you the truth. I thought the Jazz were treated as the Washington Generals. Uh, where they, where they were, was Carl? You know, he yeah, needed to be yeah. represented on there. I, I would get maybe, why maybe Brian Carl, Russell wouldn't but, do it, but... But, but but Carl was kind of quirky that way. Uh, I, I don't. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, John maybe. was hesitant, right? Yeah, yeah. And they added him in what within the last couple of weeks? Yeah, and he wasn't really featured very prominently. He was. He was. He had a couple of comments, but that was really it. He talked about how he thought uh, 1998 was uh, was the better version of the Jazz, and he talked about how he never viewed it as Michael being the be- the the goat while he was sharing the floor with him, and how they weren't intimidated by it. And that's pretty much all he added to the conversation. Which uh, I it, I bet you John was not fully on board with the praise Jordan up and down and thus was not included all that much. Well, that's why he said what he said, how he couldn't look at an opponent in with with those eyes. Yeah. You know, he said, I, I just I, I didn't look at anybody. I don't even care if it's Michael Jordan or whoever. He wasn't going to look at a, a fellow basketball player, an opponent with these googly eyes. And look, I I think that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player I've ever seen. And I have no problem with saying that. But he's a damn basketball player. He's not a demigod. And it seems like that is the impression that 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 thing is leaving with a lot of younger people who I, I want them to appreciate what they might not have seen with their own eyes in their own time. But, you know, because so many people uh, of the younger uh, age think that uh, LeBron James is all this and all that, and, and and I'm glad they can gain their appreciation for Michael Jordan. But my goodness, I I, I like Stockton's approach. Uh, he he praised him. He, he I think he said how good he is and how he respected and all that. But uh, he's he's not a demigod, and I think there's too much of that in our world. I know we need. At least some people say, sociologists say we need heroes, people to look up to and whatnot. But uh, I, I, I thought I thought that uh, John Stockton's approach was refreshing in some ways. Yeah. Um, we talked about this from the first couple of episodes that we saw, that this was not going to be a completely revealing, you know, look into what is Michael Jordan, but we're or who is Michael Jordan. But we're, we're going to get little nuggets along the way. And there were a couple of jazz related nuggets, I thought, that that stood out. One, the the animosity towards Brian Russell actually began when he was retired. Jordan was. And yeah. he dropped by to visit John and Carl. And Russell was talking about how he he wanted to guard him and. All this stuff and how, you know, kind of talking trash about his retirement. And there's where that animosity started. So I thought that, that was fascinating. And then we've, we also... And he said, he said at that time, Jake, that uh, it was personal. And I thought, I've heard that at least 15 times during this docuseries. Yeah, he's made it's it personal. personal. Every, everything is personal. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, and we talked about this coming on Friday, uh, you know, Poison Gate is now... Uh, here, Gordon. Uh, if, yeah. if the Jazz fans didn't have enough to worry about with their reputation out there, now they're known as uh, poisoners, too, so that's nice. I, I just don't know what any what evidence was presented last night that that pizza was poisoned. <laughs> I, I, you know, just because five guys show up to deliver it, they, they think this pizza's going to Michael freaking Jordan. If anything, that's a compliment. 
They didn't show up so that they could witness the poisoning of the great one. <laughs> Come on. If, I, you, I, if you even believe that there were five guys there, there's I mean, there's all sorts of things that make that those circumstances weird. So I, yeah. I don't blame people if they're skeptical, but it is funny that that's what and I, I literally mean funny. Ha ha funny that that's the perspective they're throwing out there, like the evil jazz fans dared to poison <laughs> the great Michael Jordan. And it backfired on them incredibly because he went out there and had this great game. It's just, I don't know. That's yeah, that, that's, that's funny. That's, that, it's hard to believe, uh, and I and I'm not. I, I don't. I don't necessarily believe that. I. Where were the Bulls staying that year? Do you remember? So Park City is. Were they in Park City? Uh, I'm pretty sure they because, were in Park City, based on who I was talking to. And all he said was the Marriott, and there's certainly a Marriott in Park City. Uh, but okay. the bus, I, the bus took them back to downtown Marriott after the after the 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 series ended. You mean the ninety eight? The series? next year, yeah. Was that yeah, the, the downtown Marriott? The yeah. inside wasn't. Yeah, because I thought they were staying at Park City. I did too. During the second time round, I didn't know that it was the first time round. And 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 when they, yeah, just that didn't look like. I, Wait, I no, no, no. They, to, the, so the the flu game was in the first series, right? When yeah, they were staying 97. downtown, it was the second yeah. year. That they stayed in Park City because there were some other shenanigans that went on, right? Wasn't there like a morning radio show that found out where they were and called them? And I think somebody pulled the fire alarm. These are all rumors, by the way. I don't know. Well, but I was trying to recognize the celebration back at the hotel, and that didn't look like a Park City hotel. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, uh, uh, I don't believe that the pizza was poisoned on purpose. I mean, that makes for one hell of a story, but... I I I mean, that's why I always because... carry poison with me, fellas. Just oh yeah, an angel's uh, opponent closing it down, man. Poisoning people left and right. <laughs> well, just because there are two guys who were associates of Jordan, who who said there were five guys who showed up to deliver the pizza, and that they suspected it was such and such. I mean, that doesn't prove anything. That that was really flimsy, but. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I I thought I agree with you. I think the Jazz were were somewhat underrepresented, but it was as they went through that that final series, it did bring back an awful lot of memories because I was at every one of those games, covering every one here and in Chicago, and I don't know, it it uh, I wasn't rooting one way or the other during that time, but I can see why Jazz fans would feel empty, empty after watching that because they just seemed like they were bit players in some grander story. All right. Well, coming up next, let's let's get to more of the game stuff because I, I have some thoughts specifically about game six and uh, how it was portrayed and some things that we learned about that. So let's get to that coming up next, Gordon. It is the big show. Stay tuned. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Sherry, Sherry, baby, Sherry, Sherry, baby, Sherry. Big 
Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. We've got What's Going On coming up top of the 3 o'clock hour. We've got Chris Mannix at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, and Craig Bowlerjack will be on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Gordon, let's talk a little bit about uh, the basketball part of the documentary that we saw last night, and specifically Game 6. And this jumped out to me about a- actually a little insight into truly what made Michael Jordan great. He he not only was a, a physical, you know, obviously just a, an unbelievable athlete and, and dominant, but he talked about how he thought he was at his best when he played against the Jazz because he had honed his craft. And he talked about stealing that ball from Carl Malone to set up the last shot. And he knew what the Jazz were going to run because it's the Jazz. They always, you know, they did what they were going to do. Jerry was famous for that. And he knew Carl was going to be sleeping on the on the double team on the backside. He knew it and he executed it and, and it won them the title. I, I thought that I thought that little nugget of how he viewed the game was was those sorts of things truly set him apart as well as the dominant athleticism. Yes, uh, yeah, that's exactly what he said. And uh, it's hard to argue. The point, um, boy, he he had to be absolutely just physically exhausted at that point. Remember, that was the year that the Jazz swept the Lakers. Yep, uh, and they were they were well rested and maybe rusty a little bit heading into that series. But you saw that the uh, they they made it absolutely clear in in the shows last night that uh, the Pacers had uh, tested the Bulls and that they were pretty tired heading into that final series. And uh, and, and what's the difference? I mean, Carl Malone was the Jazz's uh, MVP and Michael Jordan was the Bulls' MVP. And uh, as, as, as great as Carl was in that comeback game after the real stinker in Chicago uh, where the Jazz got blown out by 42 points, Carl came back strong to win that game in Game 5 that the Jazz could not win, and he found a way to play terrific in that game. But he couldn't lead his team to victory, and it was just the little things like what you just described that make all the difference in the world. I mean, Carl had the ball. The Jazz had the ball exactly where they wanted it, near the low block to Carl Malone. And what happens? You saw the difference in the players. Michael Jordan did exactly what he had to do. He scored the layup, the possession before that, and then he stole the ball and went down and hit the game winner and the series winner. And those are just the smallest little tidbits that make all the difference in the world, like you were talking about. And that had had that not had Carl scored there, then the Jazz go into a game seven where Scottie Pippen's back was all jacked up. He probably would not have been able to be very effective. Uh, Michael Jordan was spent at that time, and they win that series if they win game six. That's always been my contention, and I believe it to this day. But Jordan did what he had to do. He scored the layup, he stole the ball, and he hit the shot. Well, and then on the on the shot, and I know everybody's feathers are ruffled once again about Brian Russell in the in the push off, and nobody can argue that there was some contact there and some sort of push. There was but contact but there, to but the it really, I mean, I, I, I don't. Well, well, hold on, because because uh, my uh, Jordan tipped his hand about Ryan too, and talked to uh, talked about how Russell was too much on his toes and right. had a tendency to to run on by, and I had almost forgotten that the year prior prior in Game One. Jordan hit almost the exact same shot over Brian Russell. I mean, 
Jordan knew his opponent so well and yes. and was able to strategize around that. And frankly, if you compare the push-off with Brian to the foul that Reggie Miller had in the series prior, which they talked about, where Reggie just flat-out pushed Michael Jordan in the chest and then hit a game-winning shot, I mean, that was yeah. way more of a foul than the Brian Russell thing. Right. I agree. And so, I don't know, you, you certainly – that. The push-off violated the rules, right? But, I mean, one thing watching this uh, this series Gordon has done for me is is just pointed out how drastically different the game was then. So much different than the Every game Every one of those game games, low, low scoring, Jake. Yeah, did you see – uh, Austin and I were laughing about this. Did you see all the quarter scores where they were doing the update of the scores yeah. at the, uh, the quarters? And it's like, wow, just l- drastically low. I mean, so much different than what we're used to. It, it, exactly. And in that first game, their score was in the 80s. In game two, the Jazz were in the 80s. The Bulls barely in the 90s. Game three, the Jazz scored 54 points. The Bulls, it seemed like they were having their way, and they were having their way. They still scored 96, Not nothing special by today's standards. Game four in the 80s. Game five in the eight, low 80s. And game six in the 80s. It was a different game then. Yep, it was. And I, I, Austin and I were also laughing about this. Can you imagine, think about this for a second, if if that final play happened in today's day and age and Brian Russell pulled a James Harden and as soon as he felt Jordan's hand on him, acted like he just got shot by a cannon, would history have been different? Right. And, and it wouldn't have been better for Brian either, you know, because either they don't make the call and Brian looks like the biggest flopper in the history of sports or they do make a call. He still looks like a flopper. Everyone still gives Michael Jordan credit and says that Brian robbed him of a sixth title. <laughs> well, in reviewing the play. I didn't think the contact really made much difference. But but just that contact, can you imagine Brian going, oh my gosh, and then just flailing to the ground? Well, he was... Because that's what would happen today. Hamstring! That's what would happen today. The problem on that play is that, that uh, Brian, his he was off balance. He overplayed and it, he, yeah. Yes, his energy was already moving him in that direction, so it was... It wasn't like he was standing stationary and all of a sudden Jordan swiped at him. No, I mean, I, I do think that it helped Jordan find better balance. Oh, it, 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 it had an effect. It, 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 it certainly push. had an effect. Brian Russell was flying by anyway. Well, he was too much on his toes. Jordan, Jordan told yeah. you about that. I but. mean, he was falling to his left. And, there, and, and Jordan knew that. He absolutely knew it in the whole setup to the thing. That's why he was so calm, I think. As he was, as it was leading up to that point, you saw that Phil Jackson didn't call the timeout, and he just left it in the hands of Jordan. and And Jordan, he, he sensed it. He, he knew that he could beat Brian Russell on that play, and and Brian did him a big favor by overreacting and moving to his left. And Jordan helped him get there. Should Brian? But have, not by much. I mean, it was. But he really did put his hand much. on him illegally. Should Brian have flopped? That's uh, what I want to know. I don't think it was a foul. I mean, I do think there was contact. That's hard to argue. But I don't think that he really pushed him in a way that Brian Russell was falling to his left regardless of what Jordan did. Well, by the letter of the law, if there's contact, it's a foul. But I get what you're saying. Brian could have uh, played better. Really? If there's any contact, it's a foul? Yeah, read the rule. It, uh, yeah. it, says, if the, it says if the defender is head and shoulders behind 
the dribbling player than the illegal contact is on the defender. But because Brian was therefore head and shoulders in front of Michael Jordan, the illegal contact goes to the dribbler, which was Michael Jordan. But if that little touch is illegal contact, then there's a foul on every player, right? Yeah. But it was illegal contact. I understand Jazz fans' frustration with that play, but but I it's it's hard to say that Jordan wouldn't have hit the shot either way. I mean, and I don't think he really. Well, and there was a whole uh, game Brian, that led Brian up to Russell it. And they, was not, Brian Russell was not put in a disadvantageous position defensively because of what Michael Jordan did with his hand. Uh, well, but uh, you know they left all sorts of stuff out. You know they didn't mention the Bavetta thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I this which was, one? Yeah, right. Exactly. This. I mean, it was a, it was a PR piece for Michael Jordan, and you know, that's what it was. But the games were close. I mean, the games were close, and they could have gone either way in every game except for Game Three. Game Three was was one of the worst basketball games I've ever covered. All right, coming up next, we've got what's going on, what's going on across the Zone Sports Network, the big news and opinions. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.